0: what's going on everybody welcome back to the latest edition of the fans of philly podcast we got episode 26 coming your way after the eagles brutal loss week two in the home opener against the los angeles rams me and james are here to break down that loss talk everything from carson wentz doug peterson the defense and jim schwartz i really hope you guys enjoy this one All right, guys, we're back after another brutal loss week two in the home opener against the LA Rams final score 37 to 19. Uh, A lot for us to get into and break down. Uh, It's going to be a good old fashioned bitch fest here on the fans of Philly podcast episode 26. So I'm going to open the floor up to to James and let him go.
1: Right. Just when I thought, you know, 2020 couldn't get any worse. I was looking forward to the Eagles season. And this might be, like, the two worst – like, this might be the worst start we've ever had as Eagles fans. Just, like, the absolute two worst weeks in a row. And I don't even know where to get into it first because I think the defense was the biggest problem in the game. I think Jim Schwartz threw out a freaking middle school defense out there to him – to them. And they literally did everything, like, possible to mess up. You had one job to stay disciplined – as a defense and not get caught up in the misdirection plays and the rollouts that they love to do. And they even said that before the game, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're not going to get disciplined. We're not going to, you know, be out of place. And they absolutely just shit the bed. They, they got lost out there. Nathan Gary looked like he was playing for the other team. You know, nickel Roby Coleman has allowed nine catches on nine targets for like 130 yards. He plays absolutely horrible against his former team. And then um, Darius Slay plays great. I'm not going to, you know, bash into him. He's actually having a great two weeks. But Avante Maddox is ranked like 100th out of all defensive backs. You know, the defensive just looked lost out there. And outside of the one play, which was on special teams that they had, that gave them momentum from TJ Edwards. Other than that, they just – they did nothing for me. And it showed me nothing to be confident about going into Cincinnati – when uh, actually Cincinnati is coming to town for us. But uh, even though Joe Burrow is a rookie, he's been lighting it up the first two weeks, you know, he threw 60 passes. So it's not like he doesn't know how to throw the ball in the NFL. He, He has a little bit of a sample size so far. And I would not be surprised if Joe Burrow just ripped into our Eagles defense because Jim Schwartz, I don't know what he was thinking. And Adam Kaplan said this, Adam Kaplan's like the inside the birds podcast. He works for the Eagles somewhat. And he said that, He's been talking to so many teams, so many players around the NFL, and they say Jim Schwartz defense is so easy to figure out because it's not disguised whatsoever. So you can just adjust to it midway through the game. And that's embarrassing for us as an Eagles fan base to know that we have one of the most recognizable defenses in the NFL and anybody can take advantage of that. So um, I'll say this. I know we're not getting into next week's game yet, but your th- $30 million defensive lineman. all three of them need to step up this game and they need to take over or else this secondary is going to get teared to shreds again, just like they have been for the first couple weeks. Uh, and that's not even, I'm not even talking about the offense yet. Um, the offense had a few bright spots. I loved what I saw from Miles Sanders. Despite the fumble early, I thought he played really well. I think even though it was just one game, I saw a different Miles Sanders. You know, he didn't have that patience that he showed in this game, he didn't have that last year, and he hit the holes really well. He just looked like a different back to me. He looked a step up from what he was last year. I can see that he probably, you know, put a lot of time in this offseason to get better and get right. So I really liked what I saw from him. And the O-line looked pretty good. It was great to have Lane Johnson back. I don't think we allowed any sacks to Aaron Donald, which is a huge plus for us. Um, but other than that, there wasn't much positivity to go around. Carson Wentz's mechanics looked off. The play calling is questionable. Nobody can get open on the outside. It just looks like there's such a big disconnect. And in that interception that Carson threw to J.J. Ortega Whiteside, Ortega Whiteside was open for a split second. But it just looks like the timing was off. It just looks like there's a big, you know, lack of chemistry between the Eagles staff and the Eagles players on offense. I don't know what's going on, and I hope they figure it out soon because they just look really lacklustered. And, you know, there's just so much more we can go into, but like I'm going to give you your time to give your take so we can just bounce off of each other now.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the one thing I want to uh, talk about off of what you said, uh, the Adam Kaplan quote, um, I get that Jim Schwartz might have a predictable defense and stuff like this. And I think I had a debate with uh, another Eagles page earlier today about it because uh, he sent it to me. And – um like I said, I get it. He has a bad showing, 37 points, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, I think since Jim's been here consistently, he's had um, coming into the season an 11th ranked defense uh, points wise. Um, all four of his seasons uh, here um, average 11th rank. Um, so I think that kind of hearing that stuff kind of makes me scoff because it's like, of course, we're seeing it now after two bad games, 37 points, 27 points. Uh, Of course, right now you're going to say, oh, Jim Schwartz's defense is so predictable. And that's what everybody's saying. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's been running the same defense for the past four years. And it hasn't been that predictable um, when you're posting the 11th uh, ranked scoring defense uh, combined in those four years that he's here. So uh, I just think it it didn't work. And like you said, he had a a terrible game plan. He oversimplified it uh, against a good uh, offensive coordinator in Sean McVay. Uh, calling those plays for them. So um, I think it, it starts and ends on defense. I don't care who you have at linebacker. I don't care who you have at corner, who you have at safety, who you have calling the plays. The fact that you have so much money invested in this defensive line and it's, I'm sitting there watching the game. And I think most Eagles fans, we love to hang the hat our hats on the fact that we have such a good defensive line. We're so deep. We have depth. We have guys, we have Fletcher, Brandon, Graham, Uh, Vinny Curry, we have Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson, Josh Sweat, uh, Derek Barnett's a former first round pick. We say all of that, but if the, if the proof isn't in the pudding, then what are we even talking about? That defensive line doesn't look like an elite defensive line. It doesn't look like a top 10 defensive line. They get no pressure. They were run all over. Uh, That was probably one of the worst defensive performances that uh, I've seen as an Eagles fan in my, you know, 15 plus years of watching the Eagles, Uh, every single game, every single Sunday. So um, knowing that every time the Rams got the ball, my feeling of the only way we're going to get the ball back is if we luck into a turnover like we did on special teams. That wasn't even an offensive turnover. Um, This game was uglier than it looked on the scoreboard, even though it looked super ugly on the scoreboard. We should have been beaten uh, much harder. That touchdown uh, that Miles got was kind of a – you know, gifted to us off of that fumble on special teams by Cup, but, um, I don't like to hear that type of stuff, um, because hindsight's always twenty twenty. It's easy to come out and say that Jim Schwartz's defense is predictable after a game that it looked predictable in. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I trust Jim. He's a good defensive coordinator. Uh, he's got history in this league of being a good defensive coordinator. His defense is predicated on pass rush. He, um, lives and dies by the pass rush. He's going to let these, these teams go up and down the field, twenty between the 20 and the 20, and then he clamps down in the red zone, and that's where um, he relies on the pass rush to force teams to three or get turnovers. And uh, when the pass rush isn't there, then it kind of lets Jim's scheme down. Uh, so I, I blame 50% Jim, 50% the, uh, the defensive line, because that's really such an important group, and it's really the lifeblood of the whole entire team. Uh, and the fact that those guys got next to nothing done on Sunday against the Rams against an, uh, an offensive line that doesn't have much name power. You have an old Andrew Whitworth. I mean, he's still a, a really good left tackle Uh Havenstein's a good uh, right tackle and Austin Corbett's a good young right guard, but we're not talking about any pro bowlers on this offensive line. We're not talking about guys that uh, come up when we're talking about the all pro teams. So Super, super depressing that we weren't able to get uh, much going uh, up front with the defensive line. Um, like you said, there's so much to, to talk about in this game that uh, we could talk about the defensive line for the whole hour. But switching to offense, I think – and it's going to sound stupid. I think going 0-2 in these games and it being is as um, horrific as it has been is going to be a big blessing in disguise. That's just my vision that when, um, when it's not working and it's this bad, that you're kind of forced to make a change. You're forced to readjust. You're forced to uh, tear it up and throw it away and start fresh. And I think Doug hasn't had that in his career um, this bad. Because normally when the team starts uh, petering off, it's midseason. And he's able to right the ship. The, the schedule goes in his favor where he's playing four divisional teams, you know, blah, 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 make it to the playoffs. But this offense is very stagnant. It's very short. It's very predictable. If you know, uh, if we're talking about predictability, it's definitely this offense where we're riding the tight ends in the middle of the field. And once they cover that up, um, the, this running game doesn't seem like uh, a running game that's going to break off big long runs and you have nothing outside. So the offense definitely needs to be uh, revamped. And I'm glad that Uh, these two horrific weeks are probably going to be what jump starts at.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I hope so. I really hope that it's going to be a blessing in disguise for us because at this point, it's make or break. You either make a change and this is a whole new season for us or this 0-2 just gets absolutely worse and we haven't even seen the most horrific part of it. Those are the only two things I can see happening right now. But I think it's more likely that we make a change and are able to turn the season around. That's what my thought process is too. And going back to just what you said about the defensive line, they do need to step up because there's so much money invested into that and they haven't done absolutely nothing. And this is going back to the offense. I'm not taking anything away from Sean Sean McVay, but that was a beautifully executed game plan that they had there. He's such a great offensive minded coach. And I want to see us, you know, figure defenses out that quickly because I can't wrap my head around what's the problem on the offense if it's just it's too predictable. Carson's mechanics are too off. They're not letting Carson sling it like he does so well. I mean, because that's when Carson's at his best is when he's able to just go out there and sling it, make those Carson Wentz type of plays. Or or if it's the continuity, you know, we just some teams benefit more from having a preseason, and maybe the Eagles are one of them. But I I, I just like. I think I need more answers. And that's why, you know, I'm going to keep watching the games. Obviously I watch the games no matter what, but like I need to see more before I can predict what kind of Eagles team is it going to be, if we need to blow it up or if, you know, we need to just ride this difficult wave right now. And I'm, I'm at that part right now where I'm saying, okay, let's ride this difficult wave. We got a team coming into town who has a rookie quarterback. They have a terrible defense as well. And I really think that, our defensive line can take advantage and get after the rookie quarterback. So I'm going to wait and see what happens this week. I'm hoping, you know, big things are going to happen. The Eagles can get their confidence back and maybe we go into San Francisco and we take advantage of a team in the 49ers who's really banged up and beaten up right now. And it can be a whole new season.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, a lot's going to be telling uh, after this week uh, against Cincinnati, I think one point that I want to talk about um, with mentioning the the offense being predictable, could could we agree that maybe the the offense being predictable might be why we're seeing? Um, they, I don't want to say a decline because I'm I'm not the type to overreact, and we're talking about two games. But maybe why Zach's having a slow start um, is it because defenses know what the routes he's going to run, where he's lining up, what they're going to see. uh, I think that's something that uh, needs to be talked about when, when you're talking about a a pro bowl tight end, only having eight catches for 60 yards and a touchdown in two games, when he's the offense's primary weapon, he's the go-to guy on offense out of every skill position. And the fact that he's only caught in eight balls for 60 yards and a touchdown uh, is kind of concerning, but I attribute that to the offense being predictable teams. know. Um, the 86 is the guy and they kind of know what they're um, expecting when he's out on the field, uh, what formations he's running out of, the routes that he runs out of those, the spots that he gets to. So um, I think that's a, a huge deal going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they He's the primary focus. They blanket
1: him. We even saw Jalen Ramsey on Dallas Goddard most of the game because they don't fear anybody on the outside. They don't think anybody else is going to be a threat to them. And I, uh, You know, other than Deshaun Jackson, who's 34 years old almost, you don't have anybody else out there. You know, Jalen Rager's still inexperienced. JJ Ortega, Whiteside, disappear. And, you know, John Hightower is John Hightower. Like you said, dude, he's not not there yet. Greg Ward is not showing up either. Everybody that we thought was a hero last year hasn't done much for us. None of them can get open. So, I mean, I saw Deshaun get open a couple plays, and I did see him make some catches on Sunday, but... You can't have your whole offense run around Deshaun Jackson, um, Zach Ertz, and Dallas Goddard. That's just going to be way too easy for defenses to, you know, guard. And that's what we've seen so far is that, you know, defenses are able to figure out what the Eagles are going to throw at them. And Carson's got nobody to throw to. And, um, you know, I'm just hoping that Miles Sanders came back, that it can open up something more for the offense, another dimension that, can put some fear in the defense's eyes and maybe, you know, things get a little bit, um, you know, more broad for us. Maybe we have
0: more of the playbook we can go to, but for right now, you know, I need to see a change. Yeah. I think that there's only to start the, in the style that it has been um, will force uh, some type of change in Doug's philosophy and the way he calls the game. And also in Jim's uh, style, he has to understand uh, if if these guys up front are getting the pressure, um, then this defense falls apart. That's just what it is. If the, if the f- front four uh, on their own without any uh, blitzing aren't getting to the quarterback, then there's no hope for this defense to stop anybody. And that's what you saw against the Rams. And that's what you saw against the um, Washington football team week one when they scored 27 straight. So um, there's just too much um, – of keeping things the same on offense and defense where um, I'm, I'm super happy that this stuff is happening. Of course, I'd rather be two and O and everything be working, but um, I think going into week three, if, if things aren't changed uh, scheme wise, philosophy wise um, with Doug and Jim that we're probably going to see the same thing. Cause like you said, Joe Burrow, might be a rookie quarterback but he's no slouch and that offense has weapons. Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, John Ross, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, um and Joe Burrow can sling it. So, um mm-hmm. this Eagles defense is going to have to step up and uh Doug's really going to have to um figure something out for Carson cuz um it's just it's not working and I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a multitude of things. I don't think it's Carson's fault. I don't think it's Carson's mechanics fault. I don't think it's hero balls fault. I don't think it's um, the lack of running games fault. I think it's all of that stuff. I think there's so many factors into why it's not working. It's not just one thing.
1: Yeah. And that's the most frustrating part is we can't pinpoint one thing to fix on this team. There's so many things that are going wrong right now that you just need to you need to fix everything at once, and it just seems impossible to do it in one NFL season. But I, can, I hope they can turn it around. The one thing that we have going for us that's really good is the fact that the NFC East is – that doesn't look like there's an elite team there yet. Nobody's pulling away with it. Um, Dallas, you know, just came away with a win by the skim skin of their teeth, and Washington dropped one. The Giants are 0-2 now, it, you know there's nobody there that's going to take the division. We still, we still have a shot no matter what. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, thing. the, the NFC East is, uh, is wide open. And it's going to be wide open. Uh, the, you know, I hate to be that type of fan Cause I, I don't like it when people say that, like if the Eagles would have came back and won that game against the Falcons and somebody said, well, you guys should have lost, you know, I'd be like, well, we didn't. So what are we even talking about? But. Uh, Dallas didn't look good in that game they came back against uh, that week of uh, Falcons um, coaching staff because uh, that's who lost in the game you, you can't be yeah. blowing leads like that in the NFL but they didn't look good the first two weeks the Giants are the Giants the first two weeks and of course, uh, the football team has their one win against us so this is really going to be a crap shoot and I think that eventually um, the Eagles will figure everything out and rise to the top. Um, I like our chances against Dallas. I don't care how bad we've looked so far. They've looked uh, just as bad and escaped by the skin of their teeth, like you said, uh, against Atlanta. But one thing I do want to talk about and spend some time is Carson Wentz. I think we're both believers in Carson. We both just understand he's having a few bad games. Things aren't working out for the whole team. It's not just him. He's not the only reason why we're losing these games in the fashion that we're losing them. Um Lane Johnson had his interview today, and one thing that I loved to hear was what he said um, about Carson being under fire. He said, uh, he doesn't blink, he doesn't flinch. Um, And that's – I love hearing that about Carson because when when you're under this type of scrutiny from the fans and beat writers and analysts and all that type of stuff, whether you get on camera and you say, oh, I don't pay attention, I don't listen – You hear it, you see it some type of way. Like, you know what's going on. You know what's being said about you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that bogus rumor that came out from Sal Palatodio that said Carson, the only time anybody interacted with Carson on the sidelines was when he went up to talk to him or ask for the iPad. It's like, man, I just can't stand those types of reports and rumors that come out when things aren't good just to further, um, you know, divide the team and stuff like that. There's not a single guy in that locker room that thinks, oh, this is all Carson's fault. And um, not to be all over the place, but you hear Jalen Mills in his interview today. We got leaders up and down this this team from Rodney to Lane to me, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Carson's a leader. Jason Kelsey's a leader. Well, what's, why are we forgetting about Jason Peters? Like there's so many people on this team that are big time leaders of a football team, and you're going to sit there and tell me that Carson would come off the field and everybody would ignore him? No. Give me a break.
1: Yeah. No, I'm 100% with you. I I think that, you know, Carson has taken this really well, you know, even though he's saying the things that are really annoying people when he says, I got to do better, I own to that, and things like that. I, I have no question about his leadership. I know he's going to come back out there, and he's going to do his best, and he's going to try to lead this team to victory and I think the guys all rally behind him as well. I think they'll get it turned around. It's just, it's really frustrating for me right now because I just don't know what's going on. It's just like, there's so many questions that I have about this team and one of them is the play calling who's calling the plays. Cause I don't even know anymore. Is this Carson's team? Is he the one designing these plays? Is That's what Doug's doing is he's giving Carson the place he wants to call or is Doug the play caller? Cause I absolutely have no clue anymore. I thought Doug was this genius and this great play caller. But now I'm hearing that maybe Carson's calling the plays. Maybe he's the one making the decisions out there. And if Carson throws for two interceptions and not five touchdowns, then that's Carson's fault. You know, maybe he needs to listen to Doug more or a play caller. And you know what? Or maybe it's Doug. Doug calling the plays. And Doug's the one that's putting Carson in this position. I I don't know. And, you know, that's the kind of clarity I want. You know, when things are going good, there's no questions. But when things are going bad, everybody wants to know why.
0: Yeah, I think um, one thing that's always been a, uh, a mystery for a lot of Eagles fans um, is who calls the plays. Uh, a lot of people romanticize uh, Frank Reich being here, and they hated uh, Mike Groh. If you have any problem with the offense, it starts and ends with Doug. Doug's called the play since 2016. He's the team's offensive coordinator, Uh, I understand that most football fans have the the casual belief that the defensive coordinator calls plays for the defense and the offensive coordinator is there to call plays for the offense. That's how it is for some teams. But a lot of times, especially in today's NFL, if an offensive coach is hired to, you know, be the head coach of a football team, he wants to continue to call plays. That's what got him there. And he wants to call his offense. And Doug, um, is that guy Doug's been calling plays since 2016. It's been his offense. Um, And people were like, well, then why did it change when Frank Reich left? Well, because Doug's been calling the same stuff since 2016. That's why um, it looks like it changed, is because nothing has changed. Doug's been calling the same stuff since 2016. The same route concepts, the same formations, the same um, run fits, the same stuff is coming from uh, in 2020 that you've seen in 2016. So the offense starts and exit, Doug. It doesn't really matter um who his offensive coordinator is he's going to be the one calling plays and that's just how it's been since he's been here
1: yeah and them too
0: they have to
1: get in a room the whole coaching staff the whole offense needs to get into a room because the first two weeks not good we know Carson Wentz has the talent we know the type of player he can be and for him to have you know the worst passing grade being sacked eight times having four interceptions you know, a 64 passer rating. That's not him. That's not Carson Wentz. We all know that. We saw what Carson Wentz can be. And I'm sick and tired of people saying, well, you're finding out what kind of quarterback he is. No, it's not. We know he's an MVP, elite caliber talent. We know he can do these things. He led the he led us to the playoffs less than a year ago with nobody. You know, he literally had – he was throwing the fourth-string tight ends and, as wide receivers. They were playing wide receiver. So the fact that fans can think that this just disappears overnight – and says, oh, well, now we finally get to see how Carson Wentz really plays. No, that's not It's not even remotely close to the type of player he is. And if you think throwing out Jalen Hurts is going to work even better, Jalen Hurts is going to get destroyed out there. Now, it, it, it wouldn't even be close. So, you know, th- they need to get on the same page because – This is going to get a lot worse before it gets better if you don't get a hold of this thing really fast. And um, when you get the Bengals coming into town, that's the perfect opportunity for you to finally grab a game where you can boost your confidence, get Carson's self-esteem back up, and build some rhythm because that's what I think this offense is lacking the most is just they have no rhythm. They're getting beat on first and second down before it even starts and then they're thrown into a third and long situation and Carson tries to do something with nothing. And sometimes it'll, you know, get into a mistake or nobody's open and they will have to throw it away. Whatever the case is, you just need to, you all need to be on the same page. You need to play better. That, that's as simple as it is. And it sounds cliche, but every team in the NFL is going through the same thing you're going through right now. With not a lot of preparation, and none of these other teams are struggling as much as we are right now. So, I, I believe that everybody needs to take a long look in the mirror and say, What can I do to help this team? You know, what can I do to make this season better for us? And it's not just the players, it's the coaches too. Everybody in that organization has to do it. Even Howie. Howie is not, you know, out of trouble because he's not on the field. Just because he's not part of the coaching staff or he doesn't play in the NFL, that doesn't mean Howie's not in trouble. You're the one that built this team, and this team looks like that. That's on you. That's a reflection of you as well. So I'm kind of like tired of hearing excuses. I would never waver on the Eagles. I would never turn my back on them. I love this team to death. But I want to start seeing results out there. I want to see something that I can look forward to, even if it's just you playing well, even if it's just you being on the same page. I want to see that. I want to see something that I can be like, hey, you know what they did great here you know I know they're trying now so I can't wait for Sunday because I hope that I feel a lot better than I do now
0: yeah I think when uh when we talk about who's to blame um two games in of course I don't want to overreact but it's everybody's fault we're we're talking about two games that were fairly very winnable for us uh we should have uh, been able to beat washington uh pretty handedly it seemed like we were in the first half um and then against the rams there's there's no reason that they should have been able to score at will um and blank us from um from being a real threat on offense of course Carson ran in his his QB sneak for the for the touchdown and then they gifted us one with uh with miles sanders but i think i want to touch on why um or what the the blame for Carson's uh, two bad games is? Well, first thing I want to say is, good players have bad games. Great players have bad games, and they have bad stretches, and they have they have lulls and stuff like that. So uh, the fact that everybody's already calling for his job after uh, what he did for us in 2019 with Scrubs uh, is kind of laughable. Uh, I think it just I don't know if it's if it's all fan bases or if it's just um, if this is unique to, to Eagles fans and Philly fans of, of all sports that um, you're, you're literally just turning on a dime. And if things aren't 100% great, then you uh, want to bitch and moan and complain about things. The fact that um, this team has been to the Super Bowl playoffs playoffs uh, in the past three seasons, three or four years under Doug, you've been to the Super Bowl and the playoffs and to already want to rip all that up and get rid of Carson and fire Howie. And uh, you know, the rumor is Doug's reached his, his limit with the Eagles. It's all a crock to me. I think you have to understand that sometimes you just have bad games. Um, We're in a weird season with all this COVID stuff. And I understand that every other team in the NFL is dealing with it too. But um, at the same time, we start with Carson. Okay. Uh, He's having bad games. Like I said, Good players have bad games. That could be it. Two, uh, no talent on the outside. Thirty-three-year-old Deshaun Jackson's your number one receiver. He gives you six grabs for sixty-four yards uh, against the Rams. You know, not a bad stat line, but that's not what I want from my number one wide receiver. Um, behind him, you have first-round rookie, rookie Jalen Rager. Okay, starts and end with the fact that he's a rookie. Um, John Hightower is a rookie uh, who's not probably gonna, who's probably not gonna contribute very much this season at all. Uh, JJ Artgo Whiteside uh, goes casper the friendly ghost when he hits the field uh, he's not able to get open and I'm not watching um, the tape as um, as much as I should but I don't know if the fact that JJ is um, not getting involved is because he's not getting open on his own or because it's there's nothing um, there's nothing schemed for him there's no plays drawn up for for JJ I know Uh, Doug said on the touchdown to to Ertz in week one that was actually drawn up for JJ it just it just didn't go that way so um, whether his success is because uh, he's not getting open or the fact that uh, there's nothing really in the playbook for him Um, and then uh, Greg Ward Uh, we all love Greg Ward what he did last year it's a great story Um, you know blah 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 but he's a career practice squad player for a reason so uh, I don't expect Greg Ward to to come out and be the Eagles' leading wide receiver um, going forward. Uh, the fact that we're sitting here uh, praying every single week that we get good news about Alshon Jeffrey is another indictment on the wide receiver talent on the outside. So that's reason number two for uh, Carson's um, bad play. Uh, reason number three, hero ball. Yeah, you have to put some onus on Carson. Week one, he definitely tried too hard holding onto the ball, you know, forcing things with those two interceptions and stuff like that. You didn't really see much of that in week two uh, until he had to play hero ball. It wasn't an option. It was go play hero ball. So um, that's, that's part of why Carson's having bad games. Uh, Miles Sanders missed a week one. There's no running game. Um, that was part of it. And then um, the fact that in both weeks, whether you think the offensive line played well in week two, um, it's it's in shreds. It's in shambles. Uh, Jason Peters isn't supposed to be on this team, number one. And then Jason Peters isn't supposed to be playing left tackle for number two. The fact that you lose Brandon Brooks, so you bring in Peters. Then you lose Dillard, so you move Peters over to left guard. Then Lane Johnson doesn't play week one. He comes back at less than 100% for week two. Um, then you lose Isaac Suamalo for a few weeks. We're going, into, we're going into week three against the Cincinnati Bengals with the non-projected left tackle, left guard, and right guard. So you're missing three people from uh, your starting offensive line, and, and that's a factor in Carson's performance. So there's just so many different reasons why I think Carson's not performing, um, and all of those reasons I'm hitting on before I get to he's just not a good QB anymore.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, one of the best things about being an Eagles fan is we overreact like crazy. And I mean, one of the worst and best things is, like, how much knowledge we have in the game. Um, I think we take this very seriously. But I'm glad you brought up the bigger picture that how, you know, we've been in the Super Bowl, we've been in the playoffs the past four years or three years, and it's not – just because two games – you don't just blow everything up. You don't get rid of everything. You don't make these drastic changes yet because you're having an 0-2 start to this 2020 drama-filled season with COVID and everything like that. You know, it, just wait and see. Be patient with it. Um, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson didn't just become the worst coach and quarterback duo in the NFL over the past year. It's it's not like that. So. Yeah, I think we just had to factor everything in a little bit more and notice, like you said, that we have offensive linemen out there that weren't even supposed to be playing. And everything's going to be off for for a little bit. And I think, you know, I think we're going to benefit from having more time and getting through the season. I think we'll start to pick it up. I think the offense will look better, a lot better when it's week five, week six, week seven, going into that stretch of the NFL season when you're making a playoff run when you're fighting for different positions, I think that's a that's when the Eagles are going to finally hit their stride. So, you know, we just got to, you know, buckle down, stay patient. It's going to be a long season, but that's the good thing. It's a long season. You know, we got time. We can still make a run at the NFC East, and there's three playoff teams in the wild card this year. So, even if the NFC East doesn't work out, which I can't see why it won't, it's, it's god-awful. Nobody's, nobody's going to pull away with it, but – you know, we, there's still, it's still there for us. We can still make something happen with this. And I'm not saying the Eagles are going to go on to win the Super Bowl because I don't believe they have that star power yet. But to just blow everything up on this team and not find something to build off of is just completely outrageous. And it would be absolutely idiotic of them to do. And I don't think they will do it. And even to suggest it as a fan, is kind of – it shows that you don't have much knowledge in the game and it shows that you don't think about these things clearly. Yeah, we get it. We're frustrated. Yes, we want something different to happen. But you don't get rid of your franchise quarterback just because things aren't going your way. Does anybody remember how many bad seasons Drew Brees had before he became so elite? When he played with the Chargers, he couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't, you know, win games for them. Did they just – I mean, yeah, they got rid of Drew Brees, but did Drew Brees become the worst quarterback of all time? No, he became one of the best. You have to be patient with these things. Um, you know, it, there's so many quarterbacks out there that have struggled, have had bad years. Matt Ryan, one of the best quarterbacks in this league, in my opinion, has had so many bad years with the Falcons. And they never gave up on him. They never wavered from him. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league. He's a solid starter. And that's what you need in the NFL. You need a starting quarterback. That's why so many teams are looking for them because nobody can find a good, solid quarterback. Matt Stafford has had some bad seasons, but guess what? He's one of the like, best solid quarterbacks in the league. He's not going to you know, win a Super Bowl for you, but he's a great starter. And if you put great pieces around him, that team could probably make a playoff run. It's not his fault. The, the quarterback position is so vital in this league and it's so crucial. And to throw away a talent like Carson Wentz I, it blows my mind that people would suggest that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's complete garbage to even uh, talk about, but that's, that's where we are um, after those first two weeks. But I want to shift gears before we, uh, we get to the question part of the, uh, the podcast. Um, I know me and you previously talked about um, how the Eagles needed to win these first few games because it was, <laughs> it was critical because the schedule gets pretty tough right after that. I'm here to say that if we're able to uh, play uh, the Bengals the way I think we all envision that we can, uh, they were the worst team in the league last year for a reason and um, outside of Joe Burrow, I don't think they got that much better. But um, if this, if this Bengals game truly is a tune-up game and they kind of get everything on track and they get um, some confidence back in the offense and the defense and get some guys going, um, the next week when you have to fly across country to play the San Francisco 49ers, um, with what happened to them against the Jets, I don't think I'm I'm nervous about that game. I don't go into that game thinking, oh, this is automatic L, I don't think we have a chance, any of those types of things. When you have their starting quarterbacks injured, right? He he'll probably play against us in week four, but with a high ankle sprain, you know, he's gonna be compromised at some point. Raheem Mostert's hurt. Uh, Tevin Coleman is hurt. George Kittle is hurt. They lost their two best defensive linemen to season ending knee injuries and Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas. Um, Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel will still be out. So their best uh, weapon on the outside is going to be gone. So um, going into that game, I, if, if the Eagles get things going against the Bengals, then I would be uh, very confident in thinking that they could probably steal one against a uh, very injured 49ers team. Um, and then the next week you come back to Pennsylvania, I guess, of course, it's a, still a road game against the Steelers, but you're not going very far. Um, and the Steelers, both, both games that they've played this season, I don't think that they looked um, uh, extremely uh, killer, an elite team. I think they have a very good defense and that'll pose uh, some problems for the Eagles. But um, when you are barely beat the Broncos uh, with the injury problems that they have with Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton. Um, Vaughn mm-hmm. Miller's been out all season. So uh, the fact that they could barely beat them, and then they beat, I think, the Giants uh, week one, which uh, isn't saying much. So um, yeah, that's a very winnable game there, too. Of course, many people will say the Eagles can't they can't beat the Ravens. So Lamar Jackson, the, you know, whatever. They have a really good defense. Their roster stacked top to bottom. I get that. If the Eagles lost that game, I wouldn't be – you know, one bit surprised or discouraged because uh, their team just seems a lot better than ours. Um, Do I think the Eagles have no chance to win that? No, I think uh, any team can beat any team on Sunday, right? So um, just like the Bengals can beat us this Sunday, I think we can beat the Ravens. And then I think that's when you kind of get into the crapshoot of our schedule, that if we have some good wins um, after that, that Ravens game, we're talking about Thursday against the Giants, and then Sunday night football against the Cowboys before our bye week. I think that's where you'll kind of see a shift in this team where they can kind of make a run at the playoffs where we play some good teams, but teams that we've had success against in the past and um, some winnable games, in my opinion. So uh, optimisms super high for me still at this point in the year. Yeah, and it's not about who you play. It's when you play them, and that's
1: the perfect example for the 49ers game. Like you said, they lost – two of their best defensive linemen and they still have injuries on the off side, offensive side of the ball. Jimmy G is not going to be exactly 100%. You can take advantage of that and you could possibly, you know, squeeze out a win there, but you know, everything has to be taken care of this week. You have to get on the right track and you have to beat Cincinnati and it's a winnable game. You should win this game if you want any shot of doing anything this season. But after that, the rest of the schedule, you really get into it. After facing a great Steelers defense and Ravens team, you go into the divisional games. And that's where I believe if we can hover around 500 during those divisional games, you can take the next step. You can get ahead and you can separate yourself from the Cowboys because that's who I think is going to be there with you the whole time is the Cowboys. I just don't see the Giants and I don't see the football team being able to make something of themselves this year. I think they're still a few years off before they're able to compete with us. But you know what? If we can get back to that 500 level, if we can hover around that most of the beginning of this season, I think we'll be all right. And I think we can actually make a run towards the end of the season. I don't think our schedules favors us. I think it's a very difficult schedule when you see who we play. Um, the Steelers, Ravens, Seahawks, Saints, Cardinals. Packers. But Yeah, Packers. <laughs> but the cowboys also have to play them as well. So anything can happen. And I think we just got to take it one week at a time.
0: Yeah, I feel you. I completely agree. Like I said, I don't I don't think the uh the optimism is is gone for me at least uh when thinking about the the Eagles uh chances this uh season to get to the playoffs and have a successful season. So um Without further ado, let's get to some questions. Close out the show. I know we have a lot of them, so we'll try to get through some of these quick. I know we, me and you both, put out the the question sticker for uh, for people to to send them in for the for the show. So I'll let you run through yours real quick, uh, and then I'll do the ones I got, and then we'll close out the show. All right, sounds good to me. I'll, I'll read off my question,
1: and then I'll give my take, and you give your take, and that's how it go. Sounds good. All right. Uh, I apologize to everybody out there that gave me questions. I didn't get a chance to save them on my phone because it disappears off Instagram after 24 hours. That's my bad, but I did remember them. Um, First one I knew was from birds coverage. That's our guy. I'm a follow. He's one of the best Eagles pages out there. He asked me, um, will Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson ever win a Super Bowl together? And I was like, oh, great. That's the first question, of course. Something that it hits hard. Uh, to be honest, I don't think they will win a Super Bowl together. I think one of them goes. That's really my gut feeling right now. If you asked me this last year, I would have said yes. But these first two games, and I hate to say it because it, it makes me sick to my stomach as a fan to actually say this these first two games for me were just so telling of the kind of relationship they have. I don't think either one of them is bad. Like I don't think Doug's a bad coach. I don't think Carson's a bad player. I just think there's such a major disconnect there that they're not going to be able to get on the same page. And it kills me to say that, but I think one of them's going to leave and I don't know which one yet. It's probably going to be Doug because you can't do that to your $33 million quarterback. And I honestly, and this is going off another subject and I'm sorry, but if Carson Wentz was put on another team in the NFL, I think he would blow everybody out of the water. If he was in a different system, that's how much faith I have in Carson Wentz. And that's how much I believe he's such a great talent. And my next question. Oh, no, actually go ahead. You answer this one. Cause I want to hear what you
0: think. Um, I think of course, nobody thinks, nobody wants to hear me say, yeah, but yes, I do. I think, um the fact that Carson,, um, and like I've said on, on previous podcasts and to you, pre-show, post show, um, what makes me believe in guys is if I could see them do it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen Doug coach a Super Bowl team in 2017 and I've seen Carson be uh, an MVP candidate in 2017. So I've seen them do it, right? So I know that they're capable of doing that. So my answer remains yes. I think if you get the right parts and in the right year, um, you can make it happen. I just don't think that Eagles can ex- the Eagles fans can ex- um, expect that to happen um, this year, probably even next year. I think when you talk about teams like the Chiefs and the, the Ravens and uh, the Saints and the Packers – And uh, even Seattle, just because of how good Russell is, those guys being so loaded and such good teams, um, I don't think the Eagles can really compete. I think those teams are on a a different level than um, the Eagles, you know, roster-wise. I think they just – they have more talent than we do. Um, But I think – I think Doug is a Super Bowl coach, and I think Carson's a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback. So, uh, long story short, yes, I think that they will win a Super Bowl together for the Eagles.
1: I hope you're right. I think they're both phenomenal. I think there's just such a bad vibe that I get from them right now that I can't see it happening. Uh, Next question. I'm not even going to spend a lot of time on this because I think it's idiotic. Will Jalen Hurts be the Eagles starting quarterback some point, some point this season? No, I don't think that's going to happen. If he did, he would get absolutely destroyed out there. There's absolutely no reason to put him out there. I understand that they, Bumped him up to backup quarterback, but that's what was supposed to happen. He's supposed to be our backup. I'm not surprised by that. So, long story short, no, it's not going to happen. Can you, can you ask me that question again? Will Jalen Hurts, the guy that couldn't even win a college football game and got thrown somewhere else because he couldn't make big-time throws, will he be the Eagles quarterback some point this season? No. Thank you. Anything else to add? Nope. Exactly. All right. (laughs) Next question. This one's a good one. Will Jim Schwartz be the Eagles defensive coordinator next season? I am so on the fence with this. If you asked me this in the beginning of the season, I would say, yeah, no doubt. I think he's going to be here again next season because the Eagles defense is going to be great this year. But after that Rams game, just seeing him get you know, just picked apart because he oversimplified the game plan. It just left a really bad taste in my mouth. I do think they'll pick it back up. But uh, if the Eagles players continue to play poorly, especially the defensive line, I don't think Jim Schwartz is going to be here next year. And I think his job is going to ride on how well the players play.
0: Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. He hit the nail on the head. Um, I think if Jim's the... The coordinator next year it's because uh he's a good defensive coordinator and the defensive line picked it up and um uh bailed him out oh, I don't want to say bailed him out because I'm a believer in Jim scheme and Jim scheme uh is you know reliant upon the defensive line performing being uh disruptive destroying uh taking over games so when that doesn't happen then the defense around breaks down you're you're asking linebackers to cover much longer you're asking uh corners and safeties to do more than uh than they should be asked to do in a normal defense so um the way Jim sets his defense up if if the pass rush doesn't get there it kind of compromises the rest of the defense do I think Jim Schwartz will be the defensive coordinator going into next season um if I'm just going to try to tell the future I'm going to say yeah because I think everything gets turned around on this team Uh, I'm not going to I'm just not. We're going to look back at these these first two weeks at the end of the season, uh, and I could be wrong, and I'll own that uh, if I am. Um, But we're going to look back at these two weeks like, you know, wow, I can't believe we got off to such a slow start. Now look at this. That seems like a whole season ago. Yeah. And
1: let's get one thing straight for everybody out there. Jim Schwartz is one of the best defensive coordinators in the National Football League. There's a reason he was bumped up to head coach a while back because people saw how – Deadly of a defensive coordinator he could be, and how dominant his defenses were. So this isn't some dude that you just like picked up off the streets a few years ago. He's one of the best defensive-minded coaches ever in football. Yeah, he's, I, he's I do know Juan
0: Castillo, but he's good. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so if the if he's gonna keep his job, it rides on the players. And my last question, and this is. Also a very hard question to answer because it could happen this year well, next year. It could happen next year. It could happen five years from now or it could happen in 15 years. But who is first to leave? Doug, Carson or Howie? And I think if you're going to get rid of anybody out of those two, I think Carson's the last to go. It would either be Doug or Howie and that's probably a decision that you know, Jeff, Jeffrey Lurie going to have to make, depending on what goes on. Best case scenario, it's Doug and Carson go out together after 15 years of success. would love to see that happen. And at one point I thought that was possible. I thought they were going to ride out like, you know, Brady and Belichick, obviously something bad happened to them in the end. Brady moved. But, you know, I thought they were going to have that type of run together, that long 15 year journey where they just dominated the league at one point i thought that was possible but at this point right now what i'm thinking in my head is if there continues to be a, this huge disconnect it seems like doug would get pushed out first just because carson's on this huge contract and there's this stigma around the nfl that it's easier to replace coaches than it is to replace you know transcendent talent if you made me pick one if i like if i have my life on the line right now i would say doug goes first
0: i just really don't even want to answer this question it's so it's 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 difficult it's a hard question um i think like you said if you if you dig into the politics of um an nfl franchise i think if this team if the team gets to the point of somebody going it'll probably be doug just because of the fact that, I mean, I know the, the knock on Howie is, you know, he can't draft, you know, whatever. Uh, he built a Super Bowl team. I could care less if you knew how to draft. Uh, that's the end goal. He built a Super Bowl team. Um, so I could, I, I wanted to be able to draft well, but at the end of the day, I could care less, you know, how you do it. I care about the results. Um, three trips to the playoffs the past three years and a Super Bowl. So uh, the man knows how to build a football team. Um. and not to go too off track the man knows how to build a football team when you consider how injury uh bitten this team's been the past three seasons and each year they've won the Super Bowl or been to the playoffs so mm-hmm. um I think that's a, a huge notch in his uh in his belt for Howie when it comes to building football teams you know I might not know how to draft you might not think this, team, this team's that great but I have big time guys go down each season, and I still make the playoffs. So that's a big deal. I think that's that's the reason that Howie doesn't go. The fact that he's he's built this Super Bowl team for Jeff. Uh, Jeff will never forget that. Um, the fact that he's a cap wizard, and how he normally doesn't lose deals when it comes to making trades with uh, other GMs. He's normally uh, the one that comes out with the W, uh, gets the the good value. And like I said, he's a, he's a cap wizard. He normally uh, structures deals in a way that they're very team friendly and allow for the team to uh, maneuver, uh, rework, get out from under trade away, things like that. Um, I think, and like I said before, when you see somebody do something, you kind of believe them. Um, Finding a quarterback in the NFL is really, really, really hard. Um, I know in 2020, a lot of teams feel like they have their guy. Um, So, I don't think Carson goes anywhere anytime soon, unless unless we get sixteen games of what we saw yesterday. If Carson puts sixteen games on film this season of just pure garbage of what we saw against the Rams, and then the second half of the uh, uh, the Redskins game, I mean the Washington game, um, mm-hmm. then I could you could make the case for getting rid of Carson, but uh, he's flashed too much. Where I don't think that Jeff. Um, would look at that and be like, yeah, he's got to go. So, um, but long story short, I think the reason that if somebody left, it would be Doug, it would be because the team gave up on him, that um, the culture has been lost and that uh, we just need a a change at the top to refresh things uh, that Jeff, I mean, yeah, Jeff and how we think that they have the talent in the room. They just don't have the right general. I think that might be uh, the reason Doug goes do I see either one of these three leaving anytime soon? No, I don't. Yeah, it's honestly almost insane that we're bringing this up and talking
1: about it after the number of playoff appearances we've had with Doug as our head coach.
0: Exactly. Was that your last question? Yes. Okay, I'm just going to run through a few that I got. Um, let's see. How do the Eagles get out of this hole? I'll let you take this one. Um, It starts with your
1: defensive line. I think the defensive line needs to start taking over games and getting pressure on the quarterback. And then with the offense, I'm not sure if you need to simplify it more just for, you know, players to get open. But if you're asking me how can they succeed on offense, I say give Miles Sanders the rock because he looked incredible last game despite the fumble. I thought he ran the ball really well and you you can't fall behind early. You know, you need to score early. You need to get ahead. So Carson can be comfortable and play with
0: the lead. Yeah. I think uh, a few points you hit on or what my belief is the defensive line has to show up and they have to own games. Uh, And then on offense, I think, you know, Doug, and it's not to say that they don't do this. I just think they need to, make sure that it is the focal point of the offense is that Doug gets with Carson and really just says, what do you like to do? Um, I know being with them for, you know, going into Carson's fifth year, this is, you know, he's not asking these questions for the first time, but really catering the offense to Carson's strengths and not playing uh, with your ego as a head coach, as an offensive coach, saying that this is my system, this is my offense and it works and forcing Mm -hmm. Carson to operate under it kind of going to Carson and saying we have to really uh, figure out um, what gels between what I like to do as an offensive play caller and what your strengths are. Figure that out going forward, and I think uh, that's how the Eagles get out of this hole is just you get production from the defensive line and then Carson and uh, Doug get on the same page because it just doesn't seem like um, the offense is running smoothly. It just feels clunky. Yeah, and my gut reaction says, that they do get out of the slump and Doug and Carson get on the same page. A lot of my questions uh, revolve around Carson Wentz, um, you know, different variations about, you know, are you frustrated that people are already calling for his job? Do you think it's time to try out Jalen Hurts? You know, those different types of things. I think we both talked about Carson enough in, in the, in the show to not have to deal with these ones. We both are believers in Carson we just, you know, a few bad games, um, a lot of context to throw into that. So um, I think the listeners know where we stand when it comes to that. Um, should the Eagles look to re-sign Nigel Bradham? Um, my quick answer is no. I don't think signing Nigel Bradham or any other street-free agent at linebacker is going to fix the Eagles' problems. Uh, me and James both, I think, believe that uh, the the problems on defense or the fact that you're not getting a pass rush. It just starts and ends there.
1: Yeah. I I didn't like what I saw from Nathan Gary, however, but you're right. It does start out front with the defensive line. And one more thing I'm going to add, I love Malcolm Jenkins to death. He's one of the best Eagles of all time. But you saw last night, he lost a step. He looks slower. He got burnt a lot. And that's kind of why the Eagles, you know, moved on from him because they thought he couldn't play off to play up to that caliber anymore. And it's not like what we have on the field is better right now, but the Eagles did make an effort to get this defense better, to get it younger and to get it faster. And I, I really just do think that they need the reps and they need to be put in a better position.
0: Yeah. They, so those are the only questions I got. A lot of them were uh, Carson uh based. So I don't want to get into those. We kind of talked about Carson a lot in this, uh, this podcast episode but i think my uh, my parting comments will be to you know any eagles fan that listens to to this podcast or follows me and james on instagram um just stay calm be patient understand that um you have a lot of talent on this roster and a lot of good leaders on this coaching staff that uh, i believe they will figure it out and they will uh, turn the corner um and don't, don't flip-flop and give up that easy. You know, Stay the course. Uh, ride or die with your team. Uh, it's a rocky start, but that's why the the season's 16 games long and not two. Yeah. I, I mean, I
1: couldn't agree with, more with you. I get why they're so frustrated. It's because it's Carson's fifth season, and you'd like to see more answers than questions. But, you know, Carson has never looked this bad in his career. There's something going on in there where – the, the fact that him and Doug are not on the same page right now or him or the offensive players are not on the same page right now. And I really trust Doug and Carson both as players and coaches to get the job done, to get in the room, figure out what we need to do to succeed on the field. And I think they're going to get it done. It just – it starts with Sunday. You know, you put your best foot forward. And you go out there and you play your best, but I'm sick and tired of seeing these fans just go back and forth with Carson MVP season to oh put in Jalen Hurts. We look terrible. You know, that's how the NFL is. Some weeks you look bad.
0: Some, some weeks you look good. So something you said kind of uh, piqued my interest. Um, when we're talking about Carson and um, his performance in these first two games and, you know, it's his fifth year, you know, why are we seeing this now? I think most people that watch football religiously and understand the game understand that uh, no matter how good the player, you're going to have bad games. And if you're going to have more than one in a season, no player comes out and plays 16 uh, perfect games. You're not, you know, there's no receiver in the NFL. That's going to give you 16 100 yard games and a, a touchdown. Um, there's no tight end that's going to give you 10 catches for 50 yards and a TD. No running back's going to run for 100 yards every single game. That's just not the way it happens in the NFL. So my question is, would, would, we, be, would we be questioning Carson if these two games didn't come at the beginning of the year? What if, what if Carson had two really good games, three good games, right? Let's say he started the season three brilliant games. Uh, A couple games of 300 yards passing, the other one with maybe 250. You know, after three games, he's sitting at, you know, eight touchdowns to two picks. And then Mm -hmm. he has two bad games. Are we we all sitting here saying, Carson's toast, throwing Jalen Hurts. He's not a franchise quarterback. What's going on? We need to move on from this guy. I'm going to sit there and say that I would bet my life that nobody would say anything like that. Oh, he's just having no. a couple bad games against a couple good teams. And whether you think that the Washington football team or the L.A. Rams are a good team, that's irrelevant. The fact that they're, they're happening at the the beginning of the season and you're just going off of the only two things that you've seen is a knee-jerk reaction, and that's why I can't stand it. Exactly. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're 100% correct. In 2017, right, when we won the Super Bowl, when Carson had his, you know, his brilliant – um NFL season, um, there wasn't many losses, right? Where, you know, we kind of drummed teams and then even when Carson got hurt, we kinda had everything wrapped up and um mm-hmm. we weren't really um worried about winning and losing games even with Nick Foles. Um but there was uh the game I think we all remember uh destroying the Bears 31 to three. Uh I think it was, you know, week 10 11 12 something like that in the middle of the season. And then what happens, right? We go to – we go to Seattle. You guys remember that game where Carson rolls out to the right and he's getting drugged down, flings it to Nelson? One of Carson's career uh, highlights, correct? Yeah. Carson stat line that game. 350 yards, touchdown a pick, 86.2 rating, right? So, you know, not a terrible game from your starting quarterback, but you lost the game, nothing got done on offense. Did anybody come out after that and say – Bench Carson, this is – he can't do that. He's not a franchise QB. No, you kind of just went, oh, one bad game, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen him prove – we've seen him doing it all week. I mean, all year. Tw- 12 weeks of him playing brilliant football. He just had one bad game. No big deal, right? Then the next game he gets injured and goes down for the season, right? So, are we, are we having the same conversation if this isn't week one and two, if it's maybe five and six? Probably not. So, that's why I just – I could care less for – any type of slander of Carson Wentz. He's still the franchise.
1: Yeah. My last comment is going to be that the typical Eagles fan is always that person that's going to think the grass is greener on the other side. And that's not always true.
0: right guys that'll do it for episode 26 of the fans of philly podcast if you enjoyed this one as always please subscribe on apple on spotify leave us a review we greatly appreciate those don't forget to follow me and james on instagram at fresh prince of philly at eagles fans that's where you'll find any update for the podcast as well as a bunch of dope eagles content and news we will see you guys either friday or saturday for the cincinnati preview podcast until then go birds